morning. How about another round of applause for the worship team? So if you have your Bibles with you today, if you guys would open up to Colossians, follow along on the board, if, uh, if not. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father for our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world It is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learn it from Epaphroditus, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for this opportunity that we have this morning, Lord, to be here, to be in this, uh, this beautiful church, in this uh, place where we're free of persecution and judgment, Lord. We just thank you for Pastor Jackie and the dedication he has for your word, Lord God. We just ask that you continue to anoint him here this morning, Lord God. May you open our ears. Lord, so that we can hear your word. Will you open our hearts here this morning, Lord God, so we can take this with us. Let your word be etched in our minds, Lord God, and just keep us alert as uh, Jackie teaches us here this morning, Lord God. So I just pray for this congregation this morning, Lord God. I pray for Pastor Jackie as he uh, teaches the word this morning, Lord, and I just thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I wanted to thank Levi for covering for me last week while we were uh, having a giant campfire in uh, Stanley. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, maybe you guys, I, I, got, I come to church, went in the office, and there's two big dents in the copy machine. Who told me? Levi. Yeah. I always come back and listen to whoever taught. So the first thing Levi said last week was, I'll tell you guys a story, but don't tell Jackie. Which usually causes my ears to perk up, you know. And, uh, yeah, he's right. Stinking copy companies. I don't know about those guys. I I try not to think about what we pay for a copy machine. And as soon as you're done paying for it, it breaks. Anyhow. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, and it's exciting because as we work our way through a really uh, enjoyed worship, as we're calling on the name of the Lord, and there's a reason, because in Colossae, one of the problems, one of the issues that the Paul's writing to the, to the church there in Colossae about, is they're losing their centrality. See, we often talk about unity in the church, being unified to one another, but we have to be unified in the truth, Right? 
We can't just be unified just for unity. Okay, that you can you can have that and just believe whatever you want, but that but but the scripture calls us to be unified in truth. Jesus Christ told us that he is the way, the and the life. So we're gonna be centered on Jesus Christ. Now, Colossae, you may you may remember the name of their neighbor. There's really three cities in the area of Colossae, Hierapolis, Colossae, and Laodicea. You guys heard of that one before, right? When we study the book of Revelation. We remember Laodicea because of something Jesus said about them, that they were lukewarm, right? They were not cold nor hot, but, but lukewarm. And the problem with their being lukewarm was we lose what we see here in Colossae, our centrality in Christ. We stop recognizing what it is that should get us excited, There's a lot of things we may look forward to when we leave this earthly home and we go to heaven. Maybe we're excited about seeing family members. Maybe we're excited about a lot of things. But if there's anything you're more excited about than seeing Jesus, you're missing it. If if there's anything that we think about, and I know I remember once upon a time I was younger. And there was all these things that I wanted to do and accomplish and be and try and right. We have all this stuff that, but, but I discovered something. I discovered the God who loved me uh, when I was a wretch. It was God who made the first move toward me, not the other way around. It's God who reached down into my life. And, and when I came to fully understand the grace, the beauty, the majesty of, of the, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then He became the only thing that I'm looking forward to. I want to see His face. I got one chance in a lifetime to hear Him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. And There's nothing I I won't sacrifice or lay down for that opportunity. And what that does in the life of a believer is it keeps him motivated. It keeps his love burning bright, right? It keeps his desire driving in one direction. We get distracted about a lot of things. You ever known people who get distracted? Yep, squirrel. (laughs) Happens to me all the time, right? We'll be sitting down and... And, you know, I, okay, I probably shouldn't say this. I'm going to pay for it later. So sometimes, you know, my wife loves to eat outside. And so we'll go outside and we'll sit down at the, at the table and we'll eat outside. I hate eating outside because uh, flies are outside, all the bugs, it's hot outside. I got an air conditioner I paid a lot of money for. That I sometimes just like to feel, right? To feel the cold. But anyways, I go outside. And then <clears throat> this, this, the next thing my wife really loves to do is ch- ch- she loves to talk. <laughs> and so we'll sit down and she'll, she'll start talking to me. And she's very, if you know my wife, she's very um, descriptive. And I, sometimes I think I can end the story quicker that she's telling me, but she wants to tell me all the parts, right? Get all the parts out. And, and I have been known to be guilty occasionally of actually start looking at the squirrel running in the tree. And every time that happens, I think of that squirrel, squirrel. Oh, I'm distracted. What's going on? 
And I, <clears throat> and I want to recognize that that time we're sharing outside, you know, there will be a day I might miss that. And so it brings my mind back to, hey, this is important, right? This, these are important times. The other day, grandkids were over, and, and uh, it's not very often that, you know, my grandkids care about what Papa Jackie thinks or what's going on. But there was a moment when my grandson Jackson was like, Papa Jackie, I want to show you something. And so he's all excited about showing me this thing. And I, same thing, I'm like, there will be a day. When I'll miss all those things. When we start to get, if we start to allow distraction. Now those are earthly examples, right? Of how we get distracted and we start to ignore the things that really matter. Now think of it spiritually. We can get distracted about a lot of things and lose our focus on Christ. And now we're worried about a lot of other stuff, right? But we're not focusing on the blessing we have in Christ. And so Paul here in Colossae wants to remind them about that. Paul's never been there. Uh, um, Epaphras is the guy who had started the church there in Hierapolis and in Laodicea. Uh, he had come to Paul and he's describing to Paul the things that were taking place there. And I, and I love when Paul writes an instructional letter, an instructional epistle, He has a certain way of describing himself so that we all know, hey, there's instruction here. There's things I need you to understand. So if we look at verse 1, we'll see it. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Every time Paul begins a letter that way, it's instructional. Other letters may be edifying, letters of edification to build up, to encourage, right? But if there's an issue that Paul wants to provide instruction on... He always starts with his credential. Otherwise, he would say, Paul, uh, a slave of Jesus Christ, right? I'm, I'm just like the rest of you guys. But when he has instruction to give, he, he has this idea, I'm an apostle. And I'm not an apostle because I declared myself to be an apostle. There are way too many apostles today, just so you know. Every time I hear somebody say, oh, I'm listening to so-and-so or apostle such-and-such. Man, you know the Bible is our authority, right? Are you okay with that? And so the Bible tells us the qualifications. We just read earlier today when we were talking about establishing a deacon board and and guys to deal with a lot of the financial issues on the church so that the elders can focus on ministry and praying over those issues. And, And as we're doing it, how do we do it? We go to the Word of God and we say, what's the Bible say? Oh, look, the Bible says choose six men full of the Holy Spirit. And then when we read 1 Timothy, what does it tell, it tell us in 1 Timothy chapter 3? It says, it gives us distinction, right? It, it, do we get just come and change all that? You know, I don't like this part. I, I, I don't like this part. I'm just gonna, I'm, we're gonna cross that out and we're just gonna ignore it. No, we gotta be founded on what does the Word of God teach. Paul tells us the idea of being an apostle. What is the point? Of being an apostle. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, listen to what Paul says. He's having issues, right? It's an instructional letter to Corinth. And he says to Corinth, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Here's the requirements. Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? When the Bible laid out in Acts chapter 1, the idea of an apostle, and the disciples get together because Judas 
had hung himself. Everybody remember? And they say, hey, there's supposed to be 12 of us. Now there's only 11. We, we need to, to choose another. And they had requirements for an apostle. And one of the requirements was that they were eyewitnesses to Jesus Christ. What he did. Now, 2,000 and greater years later, we have people standing up and say, I'm an apostle. Well, unless you're an eyewitness of Jesus Christ and His work that He accomplished, you're not an apostle. And to claim authority that's not yours is not okay. Listen, this is why it's important. An apostle has the authority to say, here's what the Scripture means when it says this. You and I, we come to the Scripture and we say, this is what the words say. These are what the words mean. This is what the background is. But an apostle, he could say, like Matthew, when he quotes from the Old Testament, he says, this was fulfilled in Christ Jesus. It's an apostle who has that authority. Not Jackie. It's an apostle that has that authority to look at Scripture and say, this is what the Scripture... The rest of us, we come to the Scripture and we teach what it says. We can't import meaning. When we come to a text of Scripture, it is important for the, the studier, the Bible student, to be a good exegete. A good exegete allows the Word of God to speak forth and takes meaning from what it says. An eisegete is when I put meaning in. I don't get to do that. I get to take what it says and pull it out. Paul, when he says, I'm an apostle, he's saying, I have authority over the church. I saw the resurrected Christ. Paul had a rather unique ministry, didn't he? He's persecuting the church. And Jesus Christ, by His grace, reached out to him and met him on a road to Damascus. He never had to do that, did he? And I'm so thankful that that's what Jesus Christ did for me. That he, he sought me. That's what grace is. Grace is that he sought me. So when Paul says, look, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He didn't take that title on himself. God gave it to him. Galatians 1 verse 15 says, But when he had set me apart before I was born... And called me by His grace. He was pleased to reveal His Son to me in order that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. And I did not immediately consult with anyone. God moved in Paul's life. Extended grace to Paul. Met Paul on the, on the Roman road. And Paul, we see, driven to his knees and declaring Jesus Christ as Lord. So now when he writes to Colossae, he says, look, I'm an apostle. I have some instruction for you that's going to be important for you to understand and for you to learn. So he wants them to recognize that's what's going on. And then he tells us who? Who's he writing to? He's writing to brothers and sisters in Christ. Look what it says. To the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Please don't miss this. He's, they're in Christ. In Christ is a big deal in the Pauline epistles. 169 times Paul refers to this idea of being in Christ. Why is it important to be in Christ? Because that's the only thing that really matters. Are you in Christ? Because that's where salvation is. 
Are you in Christ? Do you, are you clothed in Christ? How is it that I become the righteousness of God? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he who, he who knew no sin became my sin sacrifice that I might become the righteousness of God. Where do I become the righteousness of God? In Christ Jesus. In the great bracha of Ephesians, this, this blessing that Ephesians rolls out for 14 verses, it talks about all the blessings we have. You know what they all have in common? There are blessings we have only in Christ Jesus. In Christ. I need to be in Christ. Jesus said, if you abide in me, I abide in you. In Christ Jesus. A big deal. Being in Christ Jesus. So he's writing to believers. He's writing to people who are in Christ, who who want to walk with him. And then he describes to them exactly what a believer in Christ has experienced. He has experienced the grace of God and the peace of God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Grace to you and peace. Because God extended His grace. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty, He extended grace unto us. And once we, we, we are touched by this grace of God, once we've seen God's unconditional goodwill poured out through the saving work of Jesus Christ, then we have peace. If we don't, we don't understand the value of Christ. And we don't walk in a Christ-centered worldview. And we... We're a little bit lost on what all these people are talking about all the time. And why, why do you sing about, about wanting to be with Jesus? And, and why do you have this, this hope in heaven? And where do all those things come from? All those things, guys, are birthed when we understand the beauty of the work of Christ. The, what He did for me. What, what He has wrought in me. And when I recognize that grace, then it's peace with God and peace with one another that we have. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. He gives a peace that lasts. We have brothers and sisters in this congregation who are walking a road that's very difficult, who are, who are striving against disease, <coughs> cancer, who are dealing with the death of loved ones. Um, <coughs> in the last, gosh, I don't even know, last six months there are, are four or five um, women who have all lost their husbands to whom they were married at least 40 years. Some more. And they're all walking that. that. They're walking that walk with the peace of God because they know the grace of the work of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean they're always happy. But they're walking in peace because they know in whom they have believed and they are persuaded He is able to keep them unto that day. That Jesus Christ has greater value than all the things we may lose in this world. And the reason they know that is because they know the grace of Jesus Christ. See, that is why 
when we sing songs like we're singing, I can't even sing. Because I start crying because of the beauty of recognizing what Jesus has done for me. And I don't deserve it. There's nothing good about me. Ask Kathy. She'll tell you. <clears throat> Literally. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I know everybody says I'm a bad person. But look. <laughs> the, I just know the reality that there was nothing worthy of redemption in me, yet Christ gave me grace. And because of that, there's nothing I won't give Him. He can have it all. I trust Him more. I love Him more. He's my treasure. So when we talk about the hope of heaven, which we'll talk about if I ever get to verse 2. When we talk about the hope of heaven, listen, my hope of heaven is Him. Looking in His face. Seeing His eyes. The one who gave it all for me. So when I think that, that that really is what draws me. So this grace and peace to these brothers who are in Christ. And Paul's going to remind them the importance of being in Christ Jesus. And so he gives this introduction. Hey, as an apostle, I'm writing you. I want you to understand these things. And then listen to what Paul says about them. Because I love how Paul does this. He says, we always thank God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Paul never been there. But he's praying for them. And this is not the only time Paul talks about this. Paul wants us to understand the ability to live a life that is Christ-centered is going to hinge on this attitude of prayer in our life. To pray without ceasing. To constantly be, look, if we prayed for people before we talked about them, it would be a lot better. Right? we got a lot of things to talk about. I have to remind myself. We went on a motorcycle ride this last weekend. I took my wife up. Uh, We went up through Idaho City and the back way into Stanley and then from Stanley home. And on the way home from Stanley, my wife never wants anything to end. So she... Added a little bit onto our trip, right? So we went over to Johnson Hill, and we're going to come over Johnson Hill. We get to Johnson Hill, and they're chip ceiling. That let me just tell you, if you never rode a motorcycle, riding a motorcycle in chip seal is no, literally no fun at all. You're riding a motorcycle on a giant cheese grater, <laughs> and just in case that's not distracting enough, everybody in front of you is shooting rocks at you. Right, they're bouncing on, and and on a motorcycle, most of the time they're bouncing off your face, or your knuckles. If you're one of those good people, they're bouncing off your helmet, but they're bouncing off of something. So we get there, and and we look around at the other guys who are with us, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't want to do this." So we turn around from Johnson Hill, we go back over and, and take the way to Twin. <clears throat> so we're going on that road now. There's a lot of drivers who are frustrated. So we're. Driving down the road, and I think we're doing pretty good. You know, we're, we're probably going 80, and I think the speed limit's 65. <laughs> but listen, I got, we got passed by like 10 cars. So if I'm doing 80, they got to be doing 90 or better. And they're just 
For what? There's another road, there's two other road constructions. They're going to stop us. A flagman's going to stop us. We're going to have to wait for a green light. What in the world is so important that you're going to go 100 miles an hour and if you just make a mistake, you kill us all? <laughs> you may be okay, but we're not going to be okay if you hit us 100 miles an hour. And so they're going. And the first thing I'm thinking about is I need a gun. If I have a gun, I can protect myself from these crazy people. <laughs> and, then, and then God's word reminds me, pray for people before you talk about them. <laughs> so, it, but you know how much it changes your attitude if you do that? Instead of being irritated, you know, about, about taking crazy risks, I think, man, I, it changes where my heart's at. And this is what Paul's saying. He, he wants to give these people in Colossae some instruction about keeping their lives centered on Christ and not losing their focus on the things that really matter and unite us. So he wants to tell them how to walk and be on fire for the Lord. And he's, he wants to tell them all those things. But before he starts any of it, he wants them to know, I'm always praying for you. I want you to know, Paul says, man, I, I am praying. This is something that is vital in a walk for a believer. We, we can't neglect the discipline of prayer in our life. And it is a discipline. You have to choose to do it. You can choose a hundred things. You can choose to gossip. You can choose to call your friends and say what a knucklehead this person was. You can choose to tell somebody they're number one when they go by you on the road. There's a lot of things you can choose to do. Or you can choose to pray. And it's amazing how much that changes our attitude. Listen to what Paul says. Romans 1.9 For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I mention you in prayer. 1 Corinthians 1.4 I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. Again, in prayer. Ephesians 1.15 For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints... He's praying for Ephesus. In Philippians 1, 3 and 4, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy. 1 Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. 1 Thessalonians 3.10 As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. 2 Thessalonians 1 We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by its power. Philemon verse 4 I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Over and over and over again, in each one of Paul's epistles, he makes an emphasis on prayer and thankfulness. I thank God for you. So before we, we get too frustrated or too angry or too uptight about whatever things are going on, the first thing we need to learn to do is pray for each other. 
pray for one another. You hear about a fellowship going through a struggle. We could talk about them or we could pray for them. You hear about an issue or you have an issue yourself. We can talk about it or we can pray. Pray. Paul says it over and over and over again that we would pray. He says, I thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, every time I pray for you. I thank God for you. So you have this, not only prayer, but thanksgiving, right? Thanking God for your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Thanking God for the people beside you and the one who who parks next to you in the parking lot and dings your car. It's All that stuff is perishing, guys, right? It's the relationships that really matter. It's the thing that relationships we have with one another and the relationship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ we want to hold on to. So he says, we pray for you. We give thanks for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. There's three words there that ought to stick out to you. Faith, hope, Love. Isn't it interesting how many times those are linked together? Listen to what Paul is telling them. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. This is where it starts, right? Is your faith in yourself? Is your faith in your church? Is your faith in something else? Our faith needs to be in Jesus Christ. The only saving faith is a faith in Him. In His completed, finished work. There's nothing I can add to what Jesus Christ has done for me. Nothing at all. So he says, we've heard of your faith, that they are entrusting themselves in Christ. That's what it is to be in Christ Jesus. To have faith in Him. How do we have faith? Uh, Ephesians 1, 13, I think 12, 13, somewhere around there. He lays out this idea that, that we have faith. Why? Because we heard the gospel and we believed And faith is birthed. The Bible says faith comes by and hearing by the? So that faith is birthed through the gospel, through the good news of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. Man, He has given. So He says, look, I've heard of your faith. And then what happens there? We have faith in Christ. Now, once I recognize the grace of God poured in my life, how is it that I have the ability to withhold that to anyone else. If God has given me grace, and I know me, if God has extended His love toward me, how can I withhold that from anyone? I certainly can't without being the biggest hypocrite on the planet, right? If God be graced me, how can I not be graced others? When Jesus was asked, what's, what's the greatest commandment? You remember what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, how is it that I'm able to love God? I'm only able to love God because he first loved me. He begraced me. He gives me the ability to love him. 
That's the great bonus of being in Christ Jesus. He begraced me. He, he loved me so I'm able to love God. I can respond to the love He poured out on me back toward the Lord. And how can I withhold that from anyone else? If He loved me, then how can I not love my neighbor? How can I not respond? That's why he says, We've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and immediately, and of the love you have for all the saints. Jesus said, This is how they will know you are my disciple, because you what? Love one another. When I recognize the love of God in my life, the the treasure that is Jesus Christ, love John Piper's um, Desiring God, his, his book on Desiring God, because it just paints Jesus Christ as the ultimate treasure in life. And, and in order to understand the ultimate treasure in life, the beauty and majesty and glory that is Jesus Christ, I, I understand that He first loved me when there was nothing lovable. I didn't earn it. There's nothing I could do. He did it. He poured that out for me. When I recognize that, I can't. I have to allow that love of God to flow through. So we love one another. That's where it starts, right? Love God. Love one another. Love your neighbor. All of these things are going to flow through. So first, your faith in Christ that is poured out in your life as you love the saints. Why? Why do those things happen? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. What's our hope? Ah, that's, Paul's going to develop that in the book of Colossians. What is our hope? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's my hope. There's a lot of things we hope in. There's a lot of things we hope for. We hope for deliverance. We, we hope for healing. We hope for blessing. And all those things are good. But our ultimate hope is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who spoke the words in Revelation when He's looking and we read in Revelation all this destruction and all these things poured out, all this judgment coming down. And then you, you <clears throat> contrast that with the words of Him who sits upon the throne when He says, See, I am making all things new. The, there's a lot of things in my life I'd like to disassociate myself from. Oh, I wish I'd never done that. I wish I'd never said that. I wish I never thought that. Or I'd like to take all those things away, but then I hold fast to the truth that my great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, is saying to me, I'm making all things new. I'm a new creation created in Christ Jesus. And I got a bunch of things God's still doing in my life. And I know you do as well. But I'm thankful that He is doing those things. That He is accomplishing the work. He said He'll do it. If He has begun a good work in you, does He leave you half done? A little done? Does He forget about you and leave you in the garage? No, that's what we do. Jesus starts it. Jesus finishes it. He's going to accomplish that work. He's my hope. And that's what Paul wants to remind them of. So he says, at the second part of verse 5, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth. What's the word of truth? He tells us what it is, right? The gospel. This you've heard in the gospel. The gospel, the good news that Christ has. What? John 3.16 is probably the shortest way to say it. For God so loved that He gave His... 
Right. That whosoever believes would not perish, but have? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, here's the gospel. According to the scriptures, Jesus Christ died for you, was buried, rose again. He was eyewitnessed by all of these people, listing out the 12 and up to 500 people at one time. And last of all, Paul says, by me who was untimely born. Untimely born. We've all, we're all eyewitnesses of what Jesus Christ has done. That he became our sin sacrifice. That we might become the righteousness of God. That I could be found in Christ Jesus. Having nothing for which I can boast. There's nothing I can brag about. Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. It's all to him I owe. He's accomplished all of those things. This we've heard. Where? In the word of truth, the gospel. Peter would write in 1 Peter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, for He has caused us to be born again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter says, man, this, look at the blessing that we have. Our living hope. Who is it? Jesus Christ. He's our living hope. What's the benefits of that hope? If He's our living hope, this hope laid up in heaven that we've heard in the word of truth in the gospel. Romans 13, 11 says this, but, but besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up out of sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. It's high time to wake up. It's high time. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God. Me? you got to be kidding. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will become has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears... We shall be like Him, because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him, in Christ, everyone who hopes in Him, purifies himself as He is pure. We become like the things we treasure. And if you treasure Christ, you become like Him, our living Hope, our treasure and hope in Him. We see their reaction. Look how they reacted. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. It was personal to them. All those personal pronouns, Paul's saying, it's to you, it's to you, it's to you. It's been revealed to us through whom? Jesus Christ, our living hope. 
He's the thing we hold on to. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Man, look, He has affirmed to us this beauty. It's a personal beauty, and it's a personal beauty that brings productivity in our life. It bears fruit. It's bearing fruit. When Jesus Christ is our treasure, we find fruitfulness moving in and through us. It says, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood. You heard it and understood. You came to a full knowledge. You came to a full knowledge of Him. Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this was not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are His poema. We are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God pouring out His grace. His grace poured out on us that brings salvation. It changes everything. We grow. We understand in Him. Ephesians 1.6 declares, To the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. We're blessed by grace in Christ. In Christ. It's all being found in Christ. Verse 7, he says, Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved faithful servant. So he's just reminding them. Epaphras started these churches. They all started, founded on Christ Jesus, on His grace, on their love for one another. And Paul's saying, man, look at all these things are going good. You have learned this from Epaphras, our our beloved faithful servant. For he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. In Christ Jesus. When Paul wrote the epistle to the Romans, in in Romans chapter 5, I think he kind of sums up what Paul's trying to describe for us here in this introduction into the the issues that that Paul's going to bring up in Colossae. He wants the people to, to walk in prayer and thanksgiving for one another, loving one another, experiencing the grace of God and extending the grace of God because they've experienced that from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since or because we have been justified by faith, to be justified is to be made just as if I'd never done it. It's the idea that a declaration by God, it's a declaration. God the Father declares me righteous. I didn't become righteous. Christ is righteous. He's my righteousness. God declared me righteous. It's like being declared not guilty in court when you know you're guilty. You guys tracking with me? So since I've been justified by faith because of my trust in the finished work of Christ, we, Paul's including himself, we have peace with God through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God, the peace of God, extended to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, Jesus Christ, 
We have also obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand. That grace, God loved me when I did not deserve it. That He died for me. Jesus died for me before I was born. That He loved me. That He he cared for me. That He saw me. My, my, my body not yet formed. Like the psalmist would declare. You saw me wrought in secret. You saw me when I was being fearfully and wonderfully made. Right? He's, Jesus... Jesus, we obtained access by faith into that grace in which we stand. We stand anywhere else. We're not standing in truth. We stand in the grace of Jesus Christ. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What's the glory of God? The best way to understand the glory of God is His beauty. It beautifies God to save me. It beautifies God to save you. It, it shines His beauty. It's bringing glory. It honors Him. We stand in this grace. We rejoice in our hope. But not only that, verse 3, we rejoice in our suffering. Because we know suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not disappoint It doesn't put us to shame. Why? Because God's love is poured in our heart by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry that the road you're on is the wrong road. Man, we're following Jesus Christ. We have everything we need in that. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ Jesus. Everything you need is in Him. That's what He's going to tell the Colossians. The love of God is poured out. Not... Not given, not sprinkled, like, you know, you just need a pinch of salt. No, you get it all. Poured, dumped. Right? You guys ever experienced that? Where you're just going to give a little shake of salt and somebody took the cap off? (laughs) And it all comes... Next time that happens to you in a restaurant, don't get mad. Just think, that's how God's love is poured into my life. He just dumps it on. I get it all. All of that is poured into my life. It's poured out through the Holy Spirit, which He has given to us. So God is using all these things in our life. He's making us new. And He's challenging us, calling us to keep Him central so that we can hold fast, walk in thanksgiving, remembering to pray for one another, loving God and loving people, Because the love of God has been poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit which is given to us. Everything we need, we have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We study your word. God, we can begin our journey into this incredible book that's going to just describe the majesty and glory and beauty of Christ Jesus and why it's so vital that we find ourselves in Him. That He has reached down to me. That He has accomplished. That He has wrought. 
man, Lord, I just, I think of the, just coming to recognize and realize all that we have in Christ Jesus. Lord, I just pray, God, that there's somebody here today and they're saying, man, I don't understand a thing you're talking about. This doesn't make any sense to me. Then God, right now, I pray for that that person, that man or woman here today that doesn't know you. And I pray, God, that, that you would grant unto them repentance. And that you, Lord Jesus, would open up their eyes to see the value of the treasure of Jesus Christ. And as you do so, even as your word declares in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that they would confess you as Lord. Believe in their heart that that God raised you from the dead and be saved. To know the treasure of Jesus Christ, the, the vast value of Him. To experience all that uh, you have for them, Lord, I just pray that they would. And if there's anybody here today that is struggling with that as we close in worship, I just invite them to come up. Prayer counselors will be up here and they want to pray with you. They want to encourage you. So, Lord, we look to you. You are our treasure. The prize. So may we keep our eyes on the prize and continue to move forward, growing and learning not only to love God, but to love our neighbor. And as we do, Lord Jesus, we pray by your spirit, you would equip us to overcome our suffering, to grow in endurance and patience, to establish hope in our hearts, Lord, that we put our eyes on you and recognize there is nothing of greater value in all the world than in Jesus Christ. So God, may we know you. May we know you in the fellowship of your suffering being conformed to your image, even into your death. Lord, may we be found in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we lift this time to you. We pray your spirit would close us out. Lord, you would move by your spirit in our hearts and lives, drawing us unto you. And, God, that you be glorified and magnified through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.